0: In this episode, you're going to hear a tragic and encouraging story about a mother who greatly desires to be there for her children, but the pull to drugs and alcohol stand in the way. Listen in as we hear how she gets support from a couple of unlikely guides and begins a path to wholeness, recovery, and being the best mom she can be. Hey y'all, welcome to The One in Five, the show for those who wanna know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Renshaw, and in today's show, we have Chelsea Solberg, we have Tyler Fountain, we have Megan Dobbs here with us, and Megan is gonna be taking us through her journey with substance use and into recovery. Just so our listeners know what to expect, we're going to be going through Megan's story, but Chelsea and Ty are here as well, and Chelsea is a nurse care coordinator with the Meadowlark program, and Ty is a peer support specialist, and they were both there for Megan as she sought recovery, and they're here to talk about the role that they played in Megan's story. So, welcome you three. Welcome, Megan.
1: Hi. (laughs)
0: Welcome, Ty. Welcome, Chelsea. Hello. Why don't we start, you guys? But Chelsea Chelsea and Ty, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you guys do? Chelsea, why don't you start?
2: Yeah, my name is Chelsea, and I am a community health nurse here at the One Health Clinic in Lewistown. And what that means is I am part of the care team, but I'm an extension to that care team that goes out in the community and can connect you to resources and behavioral health needs. Um, and if substance use support is one of those things, we're going to wrap our arms around you and support you through the clinic. And then also in your lives as you live them in the community.
0: Awesome. Ty, uh, Ty, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, man.
3: Yeah. So, um, I'm a peer support specialist. Um, and so I work with people who suffer from substance use and mental health disorders. And uh, what a peer support specialist does is I, I, I do that based on my lived experience with those. Um, and I'm also a recovery doula in training. So, so I support moms who are expecting and uh, help them kind of, so I edu- help educate, I help work on positions, I help. Um, advocate for the parent um, and just work through them, work with them through the perinatal um, time.
0: Awesome. That sounds pretty novel, man. Is that like a newer thing or is this something that's been going on for a while or?
3: No, it's an extremely new thing. Actually, it's, it's actually just started here um, in our state and our organization is actually the ones who have started this and it's uh, because, catching fire so
0: awesome so that's going to come into play later your peer support your recovery doula your care coordinator in what we have Megan here for and Megan is going to be telling her story Megan why don't you start taking us through uh your journey
1: yeah sure so I'll just kind of dive right in um my name's Megan Dobbs um I was born in Apopka Florida um you know my Home life growing up was really difficult. Um, you know, my parents split when I was nine years old. Um, and I just kind of jumped around from home to home with different family members um, until I finally stayed with my dad. And there was a lot of, you know, partying and drug use. And, um, you know, I was allowed to drink. I was allowed to do drugs growing up. Um, it was a part of my life, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so um, there was a lot of abuse that came with that, too. Um, you know, my dad was struggling himself. He, was, he grew up in an unhealthy relationship, unhealthy lifestyle. So that's really all he knew, how to teach me. Um, and so, you know, there was some abuse that went on. Um, when I was 16, I finally had enough of it, and I moved out.
0: Who'd you move in with?
1: So um, I actually moved in with my uh, boyfriend at the time, and um, I finished high school living with him, got my first job living with him, all still using, experimenting with different drugs.
0: Okay. Did you graduate high school?
1: I did, yeah, I did. Did
0: you end up going to college?
1: I did, yeah. Um, Where'd you
0: go to college at?
1: So in Haver, Montana, actually.
0: Oh, so you moved from... Uh, A Popka? Is that what you said? Yeah, a Popka.
1: Yeah. So I I moved from a Popka, Florida to go to Haver, Montana to go to college there. Um, And that's actually where I found out I was pregnant.
0: Oh, Uh, what happened next?
1: So I found out I was pregnant with my firstborn daughter when I was in college. Um, Because of that, I dropped out of college and attempted to prepare for this baby as much as I could. Um, you know, it was, it was a huge struggle. I didn't know how to be a mom.
0: Absolutely. How old were you?
1: I was 23, 23 at the time. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't know the first thing about being a mom. All I knew is what my dad taught me, you know,
0: which wasn't necessarily the best. No, probably, (laughs) uh, uh, example, huh? That you had in that. So, so. Talk us through that process. You're pregnant. You're dropping out of college. Are you using still at this this time?
1: So um, I wasn't. I wasn't using. No, not at this time. Um, so I had my daughter, and two days after she was born, um, we were leaving the hospital when a CPS worker came in and said that there was. Um, sorry. All good. <laughs> said that there was reported um, neglect. One of the nurses had reported that I um, neglected my child. I signed myself out of the hospital two hours after she was born. I was under a lot of stress. Um, At the time, my daughter's grandmother um, offered us, me and my boyfriend, um, to go to a hotel room And spend the night And come back in the morning And um, get the baby And you know At the time I, I literally thought That there was nothing wrong with that sure. I mean that's how much of not a mother I was <laughs> You know I thought that Here this woman is You know she's way older She's way more mature You know and she's asking me To just come to the hotel room and relax And And so I did that you know and I left my daughter at the hospital, you know. And you she, just thought that was normal. I just it thought, like, it, I thought it was completely normal. I really did, you And know? it was a figure and in
0: your life that was uh, sort of on that level of a mentor, right? Yeah. So thinking, oh, she says it's yeah, okay. Yeah, she like. says
1: it's okay. It's got to be okay, right? Gotcha. And, you know, so that's kind of what I was feeling. And so when that CPS worker walked in, you know, my whole life stopped. Sure. Um, and so six months... After that day, um, they were getting a court order to stay in the picture longer. Um, I was only allowed to see my daughter supervised. It was in a very small room with a glass window on the other side and a lady watching me the entire hour. I sat there with my child and played. Every move I made was being judged.
0: What's your mindset at this point?
1: At that point, Six months after that, you know, I, I did everything that they said or I thought I did. And at that point, I gave up. You know, I, what's the point? Sure. You know, I, I gave up on myself. I gave up on my child. And I started using very heavily.
0: That was your coping mechanism, huh? It, it was. was like, this is yep. how I'm going to deal with this. And
1: absolutely.
0: Gotcha. So what happened after that?
1: So after that, um, you know, I got court ordered to go to treatment and I went to treatment and I got out and I did okay. Um, you know, I, I slipped up a couple times, but then I started to get solid with it for a couple of months. Um, and that's when I made my decision to go back home to Florida. Gotcha. Um, so I moved back in with um my boyfriend from when I was sixteen. Um And after a couple of months, I found out I was pregnant again. Um, Well, I'm sorry. Let me me rewind a minute. Sure, sure. Um, So when I got to Florida, um, I still had custody of my daughter. Um, We were still going through, um, you know, battles with the court and things like that. Um, But it had gotten to the point where um, visitation was very minimal. Um, It was up to her father, how often I could see her into the stipulations that he wanted, which were, I wasn't allowed to tell her that I loved her. Um, I wasn't allowed to tell her that I was her mom. At this point, she's four, you know, and it was just heartbreaking, you know, that I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell her I loved her. Man. And so when I got to Florida, he called me one day and he said, will you give up your rights and I'll let, I'll send pictures Every year. And I made the hardest decision I'd ever made in my entire life. And I did it. At the time, I just felt like she didn't know who I was. Sure. She had a great life. She was being taken care of.
0: I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I do want to ask you a question. I'm not trying to lead you in any way in this did you feel like she would be better off? I did. Without you? I that's kind of what it seems like I'm yeah. gathering from you. Yeah. I did. That's a that's a really tough place to be.
1: It was. It's very, very depressing.
0: So you're in now with your boyfriend. You've just given upright mm-hmm. to your daughter. Hardest decision you've ever had to make. Talk to us about what happened next.
1: So, um, next I actually found out a couple months after that, um, that I was pregnant again with my second child.
0: how did you feel then?
1: Uh, honestly, I, there was a little bit of happiness, a little bit of excitement, but at the same time I felt like, how could I, how dare I, you know?
0: What a gamut of emotions, huh? Big time. You had just gone through this experience where you had given up rights, even though you didn't want to, you, you wanted to be a mom. You wanted to be there for your daughter. Now you have a second chance. And so there's this joy that's there, right? But mm-hmm. then there's this, I mean, what's going through your head? Do you think like, I can't do this?
1: I definitely felt that I couldn't do this. And, but my boyfriend at the time reassured me. And all I could think to myself was, you know, how can I prove to him and myself and this child that, you know, I can actually be a good mom, you know? Because look what I just did, right? You know, I just gave up my rights. I, I mean, that was my child. I mean, of course, I didn't want to, but yep. in my head, she had a better life, and so now I had to prove to myself and and everyone else that you know, I, I could be a good mom and I had this second chance, just like you're saying. And so I had her, my second daughter, um, and things were good for a while until they weren't, you know, um, what happened? I got in contact with my dad again and started hanging out with my dad and seeing my dad and started, I started to use it on the weekends, you know, I used to call it a weekend warrior thing, mm-hmm. you know, like and I could make it through the week without using, like I had some sort of control of it, you know? Right. And you convince so, yourself that, yeah. Hey,
0: I can just, yeah. I can do this casually.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I can totally do this. I can function, you know, and then the weekends turned into weekdays and then, you know, only the night times turned into the all day times. And next thing, you know, I was just as far into it as I was when, you know, a a couple years ago, and it was, it was bad. Did
0: your boyfriend know that you were using it this time?
1: He had no idea, um, but when he found out, um, my world fell apart again, which only pushed me harder into the drug.
0: Sure. What happened with your daughter at that point? So... Your second daughter.
1: Yeah, at that point, um... I had gotten in, me and um, her dad had split up because of the drug use and, you know, different things. And um, eventually I got into um, another relationship that was um, very toxic, um, very unhealthy. And um, because of that relationship... I had to send my daughter to go live with her dad because I just couldn't, I couldn't keep my life healthy anymore.
0: Did you want to stop using?
1: So bad. So bad. I wanted to stop. I mean, I remember times just begging myself not to do what I knew what I was about to, but you know, it was like at that point my body needed it.
0: I've been there in that place in your head where you say, I got to stop doing this. Yeah. Like with me, one of the things was I felt like I couldn't reach out for help because of some circumstances that were going on in my own life. Uh, But it was just, it was just this fake pressure that I was putting on myself. And yeah, I, I understand the mentality. Yeah. Uh, that, like, I'm doing what I don't want to do. And I keep finding myself doing this thing that I don't want to do. So uh, I get it. Like, that sucks. So now daughters with old boyfriend, you're with new boyfriend. Talk to us about what happened next.
1: So um, this time I find out I'm pregnant again. But this time it is very different Um, I couldn't, I didn't find out I was pregnant until I was about four months pregnant.
0: Take your time. Sorry. (laughs) No. It's emotional. No (laughs) sorries at all.
1: Even now, even now it's still very emotional and, um... So, um,
0: four months pregnant.
1: Yeah, I find out I'm four months pregnant, and i I knew I couldn't stop. You know, i I tried, and the most I could get was a day or two. And so I knew I needed to reach out for help, and so that's what I did. I went to um, my doctor's office and and told him that I was using and that I was having trouble quitting, and that. You know, if they could just refer me to a facility or or something, I was willing to do anything at this point. And um, they called me back a couple days later and told me that there was no openings anywhere, that there was no room anywhere, there was no openings anywhere. After a while of, you know, doing some searching and calling people and, you know, waiting on hold and getting tossed around. And I finally found one place um, that um, had room. So I got a taxi cab, I got dropped off there. Um, And this was like maybe two hours away from where I came from. And I get dropped off there. And, you know, I go inside and I find out that they're only taking people who are voluntary or suicidal.
0: So did you have to leave the place?
1: Yeah, they. I had to leave. And I, I didn't know where to go, so I sat in the parking lot, you know. And at this point, here's two nurses coming out, and they tell me that I have to leave the parking lot.
0: Oh, man. It's, and you're four months pregnant.
1: Yeah, no. At this, point, at this point, it took me a while. At this point, I was six months pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I was six months pregnant at this time. Um,
0: so you're trying to stop using. You find this place. You can't go to this place. It's two hours away from your house, and now you're stuck here in this parking lot, six months pregnant. Your mind, in your mind, you're dealing with all of these emotions again. Your body is going through pregnancy. Man, I can't even imagine. Yeah. What happened next?
1: So um, I... So after that, I um, you know, I, I got a hold of my mom who lived in or lives in Lewistown, Montana, and I told her everything that happened and that I just I needed help. I needed help so bad. And she bought me a flight ticket a week later, told me about one health clinic. She told me a little bit about it, so that she had talked to some people, that they'd be able to help me get me into treatment, whatever we needed to do, and and so I, the last day I used was November twenty fourth of twenty twenty two. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And then you ended up in Lewistown, and you, you you not only needed to get into some sort of recovery program, right? Yeah. And to, to get sober, but you needed a doctor. Oh, big time. Yeah. <laughs> right? You I needed had, an OB doctor. I hadn't
1: seen a doctor the entire time. I mean, I did a couple times, but again, I stopped going because I was just, I mean, you go so many times and you're asking for help and you're being honest and you're saying, Hey, you know, I'm on drugs and I, I really need some help. But at the same time, like it's, it, it hurt. It was embarrassing yeah. and Yeah. I couldn't get help.
0: So you end up in Lewistown. Your mom ends up connecting you with uh, Dr. Williams, right? Yeah,
1: Katie Williams, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but before that, you had got connected with Chelsea, is that correct? I did, yeah. Okay, Chelsea, why don't you tell us from your perspective? Now, you, you and Ty are about to enter this story. You tell us uh, your like what happened with her mom and, and how this all thing came about.
2: Yeah, so... Megan is so vulnerable in this story, and we—I just so appreciate that—that um, that she's willing to share her story. When she came to Lewistown, I actually visited with her mom first, who saw a poster for our Sacred Families Metal Art Program at One Health, and so I talked to her mom on the phone, and we sorted out the priorities, you know, for Megan's health care. And one of those, like Adam said, was getting her into prenatal care. We were able to do that right away um, within that week, as well as getting her connected to community health workers, which help connect people to resources that they might need in the community. So she came in right away, was connected with the community health worker. And then within that week, she saw Dr. Williams for her OB care.
0: Real quick, is that normal? Like, I... I've tried to get into doctors before and it's taken me like mm, way too long, right? At least in my own opinion, like I understand that people are busy and stuff like that. Is it normal for someone to be able to get in to see an OB doctor in a week or is that just normal in Montana? And
2: <laughs> No, it's not typical, but we really prioritize, you know, needs. Sure. And so Megan was at the time seven months pregnant and had not had prenatal care. And so that poses significant risks for her health and her babies. And so we really prioritize that type of appointment. Um, also when someone's asking for help, yeah, our model is we have to be there to meet them in that moment. And so making someone wait for two weeks when they're asking for help now sure. um, and they're ready, um, it's important to meet them where they're at in that process and, And Megan was so ready. In fact, she had already gone above usual things. Like, I usually help maybe direct people towards WIC or offer to help make, you know, calls alongside them. Um, But Megan was like, oh, I already talked to WIC. I have an appointment. Um, And was already connecting herself to so many of the resources that I was going to offer Um, but that was helpful to have that community health worker also just come through and, um, let her know about the resources that we had in Lewistown. But in fact, Megan was already connecting herself to those resources, um, from the time she kind of hit the ground. Like she said, she wanted to help. She wanted the help and she was asking for it. In fact, in her story, she was saying, and I just picked up on this maybe for the first time, but. In Florida, she was making, it sounds like you were making the calls, Megan, you know, you were, you were making a lot of calls to try to find where you could go for help also. And, um, that has to be scary, desperate, like you said, putting you into telling your story multiple times to people. And so Megan was so like, just, she's such a go getter. And so that's kind of where I'm getting with that. But, um, anyway, yeah, we met Megan where she was at. Um, at her first OB appointment, which was within that week that I got that phone call, um, she was able to connect with Ty, who's our peer support specialist. And bonus, he's also a doula um, <laughs> on the, on, attached to that. So um, it was great to connect them together. She was also connected with some behavioral health providers in our community for um, licensed addiction counseling. And so those were some of the priorities that we sorted out together. You know, like, this is what we need to do. Here's where you need to go next. And, in fact, she was doing a lot of that work already.
0: Awesome. So then, Ty, she she gets hooked up with you, your peer support. You've gone through something similar. Um, and how long had you been a, a, a recovery doula in training at this point?
3: Um, I had actually just pretty much started, um, <laughs> well, so maybe like five, four months, Okay. you know, I, I really just got hired by One Health just maybe four months before I met Megan anyway, so, wow. um, so yeah, I hadn't been doing it very long, she was my very first doula gal person, I, I never know what to say here, yeah, um, sure. but she was my very first doula gal, um, And I like
0: it. We're going to start calling him that from now on, doula gals. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So but you started with peer support, right? And then it turned into just sorry, I'm I'm interrupting your story, but please explain that how you got hooked up with her and some of the things that you guys did.
3: Yeah. So it really just started out actually as peer support. um, And so I was just... Offering her peer support, we're meeting once a week, and then we start meeting at the coffee shop across the street from One Healthier. Um, and we just, you know, we were just doing normal peer support things. Um, you know, she was struggling with a few things, so I offered to do role plays with her. And, and um, you know, she, it, it just seemed like everything that I really threw at her. She was very open for, uh, she's like, yeah, it can't hurt. Let's try it. You know, let's try this. Um, and then at one point it was just like, well, why don't I also ask her to be, if I, if I could be her doula as well. And she jumped right on it, you know, once again, she was just like, yeah, you know, the more support around me, the better everything is. And so, um, then I became her doula. Um, and yeah, then things kind of took off, as a peer support and a doula from there. Can you, uh,
0: can you talk a little bit about some of those role plays? Like what, what does that look like? What did that look like for you and Megan? What were some of those role plays that you guys did?
3: Yeah. So one of the things that Megan was really struggling with was she had a friend in Haver that really wanted her to come visit her. um, And Megan was really sure she could go up there and she would be fine even though her friend was in active use um and you know so we really just role-played that and I played her friend and Megan played herself and you know I just really kind of go through the things that somebody's probably gonna that she's probably gonna say you know like um oh no come here you know I won't let you use and just things like that like oh no you know like you you're you're your uh recovery is most important to me. I just wanna see you, you know, and really just you know, I can come up with those things because I've You've either been, been the person that said yeah. those things or had those things said to me, right? Yeah. So Yeah, he you- really
1: he really challenged me with it. You know, he everything he had to say back was was extremely challenging and I had to I had to really think about you know, this entire situation. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, this,
0: this is not, might
1: not be a good idea. <laughs>
0: and that's really great because you were able to be honest with yourself. Oh, absolutely. At that point, like you weren't just in this to say, I just want to go see my friend, help me through this, but yeah. I'm not going to take your advice type right. of a thing. Exactly. So, like, it doesn't work if that's where our heads are at, right? And so, Ty, you were able to foresee, like, okay, here's something that could uh, play out in this conversation and give you that perspective mm-hmm. was that, ha- I mean, that was helpful. That's a, huh? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Hugely. I mean, by the end of it, I was like, well, well, that's probably not a good idea. Let's not do that. So, but no, I mean, it was, it was hugely helpful. Awesome. I mean, he definitely taught me a lot about, you know, a part of being honest with myself. He taught me, you know, I mean, in those situations you have to be.
0: What's the communication like between Chelsea and Ty and this whole team now? Are you guys in constant communication with each other Are you guys um, uh, like working this together or how does that look from your perspective?
2: Uh, My perspective, and I think Ty probably will agree, but we are, we work as a team. So I feel like a lot of times we're kind of one unit in a way. Um, He has the lived experience um, where he can reach people in different ways than I can, you know, Um, like, That role play was a great example. That isn't going to mean as much probably coming from me first because I wouldn't have been able to play those roles as well as Ty. But he can really come alongside people in that deeper way through lived experience. Um, And then he shares his hope of recovery with them too. Um, So we really work as a team and in constant communication that way. I also really love having a male as a doula, I mean, that's a really, when you think of doula, you it's think a game of, changer. You, Let's just say it. Is it <laughs> you Think of females? Cause that's a typical, sure. yeah. um, there's, I don't know the statistics on how many males are doulas, but I'm guessing there's not very many. When you think of doula, you think of women in that birthing field providing support. And so it's not very common to have a male in that role, which is really beneficial for families, when we're talking about supporting fathers in that role, um, he has that fatherhood, you know, male perspective that he can bring into that supporting relationship that I may not have the angles on. Uh, sure. So that's really valuable to me. So I feel like that's a good working team relationship having that. Um, and then he's able to be there. If, a, if someone doesn't have a support person for them in labor, Um, a partner they you have you know this built-in partner that also happens to be your you know peer recovery coach if you're if you have substance use disorder.
0: And Ty tell us a little bit about your uh, your bag of tricks.
3: Yeah so (laughs) so um, when I started my doula classes they One Health made these bags for all of the doulas um, and so I mean, this thing has everything you could want in it. It's got cards. I mean, and so, you know... Megan being, like I said, just open to everything, I bring my doula bag. And <laughs> I mean, so in my mind, I picture myself just picking stuff up and throwing it up. Oh, over no, that's my how head. it looked. You know, that's exactly how You're it looked. You're Mary Poppins, man. You got that pretty much. And it's I'm like, like, what about
1: this? Here's <laughs> some lavender.
3: I, I pull out this rebozo and I'm like, here, let's try this rebozo. Yeah. And Megan's just like, sure, you know, and, I, and then. Is on, that
1: the shake in the apple tree? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that yep. one. Yeah.
3: You know, it was. It, it was just a really awesome experience all around. I, at least for myself, that you know, um, that I had somebody that was so open to just, okay, yeah, let's try that. Oh no, I don't like that scent. Let's try a different scent. You know, yeah, and- super
0: helpful for you as you're learning as well, right? And want to try out maybe some of these new things, and you're not catching all of this resistance. So, yeah. so Megan's in this spot where she's ready. She's ready to now on her third pregnancy. Uh, to to, I mean, she was ready before, right? Mm-hmm. But using and so now you're not. How long has it been since you used at this point?
1: Um, at this point, I want to say I had, oh, well, it was about a couple months, maybe. Awesome. It was a couple months, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, and Megan, what was so important for you in this pregnancy?
1: So, the biggest thing and um. Ty can tell you too. I mean, I I came to him and, you know, just before the pregnancy, he had all these, you know, questions and things that that he wanted to go over. How did I want to go about the pregnancy? What were some things that, you know, we could talk about to make it more comfortable for me? And one of the biggest things that I wanted and the only thing that I wanted really was I just wanted to remember every moment of it. Mm. Um, My first two pregnancies weren't like that.
0: But not because you were using, it was just sort of a they, whirlwind, it was just, right? It
1: was very chaotic, you yeah, know, okay. and, and very stressful. And so I couldn't, I'd ne- I don't, I can't tell you anything about my first two pregnancies, you know, other than it was probably awful. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and Ty made sure of that, you know, Ty, Ty was in there, like I gave him a job and he did that job and then he did more, you know, and he, he really made me feel, um, comfortable and, and, and. I mean, I could remember everything from it, and that's all that I wanted. I just wanted to be able to capture that moment and remember it for the rest of my life.
0: So, Megan, you went from being on a curb in a parking lot in Florida, six months pregnant, rejected from this place, uh, through no fault of your own or their own. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus yeah, in any way. Of course, yes. uh, They have a lot of stuff going on as well. Now to... Uh, Having a doctor and a care coordinator and a peer support and a doula and a licensed addictions counselor Mm -hmm. and a community health worker. Mm -hmm. You have a whole group of people that are involved in this with you. What's going through your head?
1: So, um, wow, there was a lot that was going through my head. It was a lot of happiness, a lot of excitement. And I can just remember I mean Chelsea would come over to my house you know and just to check on on me and you like what are you
2: doing here? Yeah
1: I was you have no <laughs> idea. I'm like these people are crazy like why do they keep calling me and checking on me like what is going on? I'm I not love that it. you know I love it and it, I mean they, they they messaged me one day um, and They've had me on speaker, I think, maybe, and and they were both saying, hey, where are you at? You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm just getting out of my therapy appointment. You know, what's going on? They're like, oh, well, come down here. We got you a box of stuff. And, I mean, they got me, you know, this um, this pregnancy ball with, like, these really nice socks that are, like, grip socks. And, like, I mean, just a huge box full of, like, pregnancy things. Oh, man,
0: I never would have even thought of that. You do need grippy socks right? if you're on that pregnancy ball, I didn't ball, even huh? think
1: it was a thing, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> and so, you know, they're just being super active with me in my life. And, you know, I mean, I can't count how many times I asked Chelsea for something and she's like, Oh yeah, I got it right here in my bag. You know, <laughs> Chelsea was Mary Poppins as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. They both had the connections for everything, you know? And so awesome. I was, I mean, support is an understatement. You know, they, they really have done a lot for me.
0: So that support really made all kinds of difference.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In
0: your life at this point. Yes. So we've got more conflict that's about to arise. We'll get to that in just a second. But before we do that, you wanted to remember this birth. Mm -hmm. Did you get that?
1: I did. You did? I did. I absolutely did. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Really glad to hear. But then something happens. Chelsea, why don't you tell us what happened from your perspective after she had given birth?
2: Yeah, so Megan had been discharged from the hospital, home with her baby. And like I like she said, Ty and I pop in, checking on her still and just providing that support initially right after delivery. And I got a phone call from our child and family services and they had some questions for me. And the reason that, I have a relationship. I would call it a very positive relationship with child and family services is through the metal Arc initiative that I work with. We build positive relationships with our child and family services team so that we can kind of change the language around how those services are delivered for families. Um, and that way we can also provide preventative care for families who may become involved with child and family services. So at this point, Um, Megan had a history of use during her pregnancy and so there was some concerns that her child might be in danger so there was a call made to child and family services but child and family services contacted me before they contacted Megan because they knew that we had this working relationship or that I worked with women um, and to see if I had concerns or what the concerns might be so that's really unique and not Usual, um, but because of that partnership we have with Child and Family Services, I was able to let them know about all the things that Megan was engaging in in her recovery at this point, and that she had all the resources that she needs. she had been reaching out and engaging in those resources, and then also we're going into the home um, just as part of our program, and and so I just kind of gave that feedback to them. So in that case, you know, there's a concern there because it's anytime Child and Family Services is involved, that's a traumatic experience. And Megan had had some really traumatic experiences with Child and Family Services. And I was worried about this call um, really impacting her, especially immediate postpartum. But because of that relationship with Child and Family Services, I was able to tell them that things were safe and the child was safe and Megan was engaging in good care. Um, And can we wait to notify her um, until she's a little bit further postpartum? Because within the first two weeks postpartum, it's not uncommon for us to experience a lot of different mood up and downs, especially anxiety. And I wanted Megan to really have that time of bonding without that stress. And so...
0: Bonding with her baby.
2: Yeah, that present moment that she needed to have. Um, plus, she was so engaged. I There was no concher, concerns of child safety. Um, so I was able to then communicate at an appropriate time with Megan and just kind of set her up for that phone call, um, offered to be present um, when Child and Family Services did call her because it is part of their protocol to check on the family or to at least make a phone call and ask them them their own kind of questions but we were able to wait on that phone call Um, and she was I was able to kind of let her know what was happening so that she could you know have support when that call arrived.
0: So what's going through your head I mean when she brings this up to you this is two children all over again, isn't it? Yeah. In your head.
1: It's gotta be bringing
0: back all of this stuff. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I was, I was upset. I was, I was very, very upset when she first told me, but I am so thankful that, um, you know, she came and spoke with me before we had that talk, because if not, I mean, I would have came up, you know, came off unstable. Let's just put it that way. I was that upset. And you know, like she said i had a very traumatic thing happen to me and still to this day it affects me you know i still get scared somebody's going to try and take my kid sure um it's not anything on cps it's just something that happens when your child gets taken um it's not something you can really get over so i was i was scared i was mad yeah. But you know, by the end of it I was able to sit down and 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 talk with the lady and just tell her, you know, these are all the things that I'm doing, you know, I'm 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 going to family group, I'm seeing an LAC, I'm seeing a psychiatrist. I, you know, I've got my doula slash peer support. I've got, you know, my care coordinator. I mean, I had, I mean, a list of things. I'm like, please wait. I'll tell you everything I got, you know? <laughs> and so.
0: <laughs> so then what what was she like when you started going down she that was list? Like, oh, I was that's great.
1: Oh. I, I was going to ask you if you had all these things because that's literally the list of things that she had was, that's what they do is they set you up with these wraparound services that I had already had. Nice. You know, and so it was, it really made her job easy you know I mean she was pretty much in and out done you know
0: awesome super thankful for your insight into that and being able to prepare Megan for that huh like invaluable experience on her part and connecting you two and being able to coach you through that mentally and emotionally as well right and awesome so how old's your kid
1: So he's um, right now? Yes. Oh, he's um, eight months old. Sorry. What's his name? (laughs) Riyadh.
0: Riyadh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Riyadh's eight months old now. Megan, are you using?
1: No. Okay.
0: (laughs) Uh, Do you have a job?
1: I do. I actually work at the same place that supported me, One Health (laughs) Clinic.
0: (laughs) Super cool. Cool. Sort of ending to that. Well, it's not well, an ending. It's a beginning, yeah, it's huh? it's a beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> well,
1: um,
3: I don't know. Megan also had another pretty cool experience this weekend,
1: I think. Oh, yeah. Please. Yeah. So Please tell um, me. Montana uh, Peer Network actually um, awarded me with the um, Empowered Parent of the Year Award.
0: What does that mean? So,
3: so we went to a recovery conference this weekend in Helena that the Montana Peer Network puts on every year. Um, and they thought because of all of the work that um, basically that Megan, like Chelsea has said over and over, you know, that Megan just took it into her own hands. Like she's down in Florida, can't get services. So she takes it in her own hands. She comes to Montana, gets all these services, does all these things on her own and really just empowered herself um and so they thought who better to receive their first um ever empowered parent of the year award um
1: yeah i was the first one to have the award which feels pretty awesome (laughs)
0: super cool (laughs) what a great encouragement for you i bet huh
1: oh hugely yeah
0: uh to be able to be recognized
1: Yeah, for I I mean, mean, it kind of feels a little uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be like feeling that. But I mean, I I should. I should be proud of the things that I've done, but um, I'm just not used to it.
0: (laughs) Sure. Megan, what do you think the future holds for you? Oh, there's beyond now all of these accolades and this wonderful new job that you have and you're you're. precious time with your eight-month-old Riyadh. Yeah. What do you think the future holds for you?
1: Oh, gosh, there's so much. I mean, I have so many ideas, so many goals, so many. I mean, my life has completely opened up. You know, I'm I'm able to actually, you know, have these goals and work towards them and have the time to do it and, and the thought to do it is, I mean, just life-changing. So.
0: Do you foresee yourself maybe getting into peer work like oh, Ty? Oh
1: yeah, that's at, that is that's my dream. There, I would okay. love to be a peer support like Ty. <laughs> awesome. I think
3: that uh, I also think that Megan is discovering what most of us discover in recovery is that the sky is the limit. Once you hit recovery and you see all these possibilities open up, and you really realize that the sky really is the limit—that you know that's not just a saying that we've heard our entire lives. It, it's true, you know. Awesome. Well,
1: yeah, and I think that, you know, I'm I'm starting to prove it to myself too. You know, little things every single day, something, a do- another door is opening up. You know, I mean, look at me now. I, look what I'm doing right now, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's insane. I never in a million years would have thought that I'd be sitting right here telling this story mm. and living the life that I'm living. And so it's amazing.
0: Well, I thank you. For coming on and telling your story, Megan, and being vulnerable with us and our listeners. I know it's difficult. Ty, Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on and sharing from your perspective and and giving us a little bit of insight into the work that you do and the impact. That you're having on those around you, particularly Megan. But this isn't a one-off for you guys. Uh, This isn't your only patient, so to speak, right? Or or relationship that you're involved with in helping. So guys, I'm really encouraged by this story. I'm really encouraged by this time that we've had together. I say thank you. Thank you to all who are listening. Hope this story was helpful and beneficial for you. And if it was, please share it with your friends.
3: Thank you for having us.
1: Thank you. Thank you.